many know who Michael Jordan is? <laughs> I, mean, I know it's crazy, right? He is a person that has influenced so many people. Uh, when he used to play, he's retired now, but when he used to play, one of the things that he liked to do was to stick out his tongue while he was playing. Check out this picture that you see coming on the screen. Somewhere it's coming. There it is. That's how he used to like to play. And the thing is, as a result of that, you can take the picture down now. Thank you. <laughs> on the playgrounds all over this country, you had people sticking out their tongue. Guys, I'm saying specifically, sticking out their tongue while they're playing basketball. You had 60-year-olds uh, sticking out their tongue, you know, because they all want to be like Mike. Everybody wanted to play like Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to move like him and, th and, and, and all that. And even today, though he's retired, because he retired in 2003, Three officially 13, 15 years ago, nine, almost 16 years ago, he ha today he has three different styles of shoes, gym shoes. I have to say gym shoes because, see, in New York, we say sneakers. We, we use the proper word, but you guys are not a little backwards in Chicago, so you say gym shoes. And uh, I'm trying to educate you. And so... Uh, Think about that for a moment. The guy's been retired almost about 16 years, and he still has three different styles of Nike gym shoes that are on the top ten of the best sellers. That's how much he has influenced people playing basketball and wanting to be like him and look like him. And it's interesting because when he was asked, why do you stick out your tongue when you play? He said, because I got that from my father. My father used to stick out his tongue while he worked around the house. It helped him concentrate, he said. And when they asked him, well, where did your father get that? He said, well, he got that from his grandfather, who used to stick out his tongue when he was working on the car. So it's something that's carried on in the family, so to speak. Uh, and now he has passed it on to all of us. And Please don't hold it against me if I stick out my tongue while I'm preaching. <laughs> what I'm getting at is we like to emulate the people that we love and esteem. We like to uh, uh, act like the person that we want to be like. I remember that I was also, uh, many years ago, I had a friend that, I used to play backgammon with, and uh, I'm halfway decent at playing backgammon. And I say that only because, not because I'm good with strategy, the dice just happens to roll uh, in my favor because the blessing of God is on my life. <laughs> and every time that I would beat my friend, he would like, oh, man, and he would do some, that, that mannerism. Well, one day, he, I got into his house, and he, he was running late, 
And so his son comes up and says, Pastor, you want to play? Come on, let's play backgammon. And so I said, okay, fine, set it up, and we're playing. And I want to tell you, he had all of his father's mannerism to a T, including how he would, he would, father would love to do this with his beard, and, and he's nine years old, and he's doing this, you know. <laughs> and, I, and, of course, uh, I have no mercy, so I beat him. <laughs> That's right. I want to teach this kid. Life is not always about winning. See, there's always something I'm doing there to help, to teach. And sure enough, he go, oh, man. And I thought I was playing his dad. He emulated him so much. We've been talking about living out the, the life that we profess. And if we profess to be Christians, then I think you'll agree with me that we need to emulate Jesus Christ. And so in our series, Remarkable, our journey brings us to Mark chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to look at uh, verse 41. When 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone. For even the Son of Man, here's our verse, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you once again. As we prepare to share the thoughts that you've given me, God, I, I just pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I, I want to say only the things that you want me to say, God. I want to do only what you want me to do. I want to emulate you even now, Lord. So I pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And as always, God, would you help all of us in this room and those who are with us today on the Internet? God, would you give us all an ear to hear? I mean, would you help us to truly understand, to get what you want to get, oh God, so that we can leave this service today strengthened and built up by your word. And I thank you for even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So now let's recap what we have just read. The disciples were not happy because James and John had gone to Jesus and they asked Jesus, we want a prominent position in your kingdom. Would you give us a prominent position in your kingdom? And, of course, Jesus dealt with that with them, but the other ten heard about this, uh, and so they became indignant. They were really angry with James and John. So Jesus gathers all his disciples together, all 12 of them, and now he begins to teach them that his kingdom, it's not going to be like the kingdoms of this world. His kingdom is going to be noted for one thing, servitude. 
He said, the, the kingdoms of this world, those that are in positions of authority, they, they like to flaunt that. They, they, like, they like to use the people that are underneath them to serve them. He said, but that's not the way it's going to be in my kingdom. In my kingdom, those that are in positions of leadership are going to be serving everybody else. In other words, Jesus was highlighting the importance that his kingdom was going to be noted for serving others. After all, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, the Bible says. Jesus Christ, in other words, lived to serve man. And if we want to emulate Jesus Christ, then that means you and I need to live our life in service to others. Are you with me this morning? Okay, a good amen will come every once in a while. Just let me know you're awake. I appreciate that so much. Or stick out your tongue. That will work too. <laughs> and so as I began to dwell upon this, that our life as Christians is supposed to emulate Jesus Christ. And if we're going to emulate him, well, he came not to be served. He came to serve and to surrender his life for others. So then I started thinking, well, how do we apply that to our life? What's the connection to us, Lord? How can we emulate Jesus Christ? And so the first thing I wanted to look at was uh, emulating Jesus Christ at home. That's the first thought, emulating Jesus Christ at home. And that's because all Christian service begins in the house, in the home. In other words, what I'm saying is, it does no good for you to serve here if you're not serving at home. Home is where everything begins. Home is where your Christian life has to be lived out first. That's your, our number one priority. So let's look at the book of Philippians in chapter 2. Let's remind ourselves there. I'll begin reading in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Oh, I like that. Let's repeat that. Don't be selfish. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell them that. Don't be selfish. Love that. I might just stay there and not go any further than that. <laughs> Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as what? Better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. See, serving our family means putting others first and ourselves last. In other words, the needs of my family come before my own personal needs. As a husband, that means the needs of my wife, and if I'm a father, and my children come before my own. I need to serve them, emulating Jesus means I am serving. I am looking out for the needs of my wife before I look out for, the, for my own needs. I'm putting my wife first. My needs don't matter as opposed to her needs and the needs of my children. In other words, I am last in the family when it comes to meeting my needs. 
Same way with wives slash moms. The attitude must be the needs of my husband come first. And by the way, moms, here's important. The order is the needs of my husband come first even before the needs of my children. We tend to reverse that. But biblically, the needs of our husbands come first. And then the needs of my children. Whenever you reverse that, you are not emulating Christ. Are you with me so far? I don't get up and run out the door. It's, it's important that we get this because so often uh, we get all of these mixed up or backwards. And, and I can't leave out the children. Come on, my young people. Listen to me. The needs of your parents and your siblings come before your own. Yeah. That means when mom asks you to clean the dishes and you got to get on the Internet because your best friend is texting you, whose needs come first? What do you do first? The dishes. Come on, church. Help us out. Say that. The dishes come first. I know I'm not scoring any points this morning, but if you agree with me, stick out your tongue. Ah. Why is this so important? Well, because Jesus recognize something about you and I, we love to be selfish. We, we love to think about ourselves first, to put our needs before anybody else's needs. And the bottom line is this. Whenever we put our needs ahead of the needs of our family, that's when the disagreements start. That's when the arguments erupt. All arguments have their root in I want my need met first. This is what I want. This is the way it's got to be. And your spouse on the other side said, well, this is the way I want it to be done. And no one is willing to serve the other. And so you have a war now. You have arguments that break out because you're on that ground of selfishness. And whenever you live on the ground of selfishness, selfishness you have to win. And when you are in that position, you might win the argument, but you have lost the battle. Because now, you are not emulating Jesus Christ. For he came not to be served, but to serve. And listen, and to lay down his life. Husbands, what you want doesn't matter. Dead people don't have anything that they need done or want done. They're dead. If you have this desire, this thing that you want, that means you're very much alive, and now you're in that place where you have to choose. Do I die to what I want so that I can meet my wife's needs? Or do I battle and win so that I can meet my need? This is the struggle that we have every single day. That we have to determine, am I going to emulate Christ at home? Because that's where the Christian life begins, at home. Number two, we're talking about emulating Jesus Christ now in church. When we're gathered here as the people of God. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. 
For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, here it goes, use your freedom to serve one another in love. First Peter also says in chapter 5, verse 5 says, and all of you, come on, look at your neighbor and say, all of you means you. Come on, look on the other side. All of you means you. Listen, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes, comes against the proud, but he favors the humble. Oh, okay. So now, let's put all that together. What the Bible is teaching us here is that church life is supposed to be about people serving people. In other words, we are called upon by God if we want to emulate Jesus Christ. It's all about serving people in love and humility. Thinking others, again, better than yourself. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life in ransom for many. Listen to me now. Because if church is about you, then you're not emulating Jesus Christ. And so often, we make church about us. It begins when you hit the parking lot. We have, obviously, not enough parking spaces for everybody. But we do our best to get everybody in. And I thank God for the people that serve, mostly the men there, out there that serve in the parking lot ministry. That's a great ministry. You talk about serving others. They're out there in the cold, the rain, the sleet. Yeah, we can bless God for them. They do their best. But what happens when you come a little late to church and they tell you, sorry, the parking lot is full? What's the attitude? Is it, oh, my God, I can't believe it. This is my church and I can't even get a parking lot, like a parking space. Or is it, okay, let me go find a spot out in the street. And when we get in those precious sisters that are out there greeting you warmly with a smile, how do you, do you smile back? Do we say hello to them back? Then you get into those of you who are parents and you get down there into our, our children's facility and you sign your kids in, but you can't. Something is wrong with that thing. And what kind of attitude? <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And you turn to that poor girl behind the counter. This ain't working. <laughs> we make demands. This is a true story that I'm about to tell you. I might have told it before many years ago, but I was in the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I was a head usher at that time, and in between the services, I happened to be in the office, and uh, I had escorted Pastor Simbler in, so he was in his office getting ready for the next service, and I was just there in the, in the, the, in the for, uh, lobby area of the office sitting down, and then this precious sister from the church came in, huffing and puffing. I need to see Pastor Simba. 
And the young girl behind the desk reception said, I'm sorry, ma'am, he's in his office, and he's preparing for the next service. Can I have another pastor help y'all? No. I need to see Pastor Simon, and I need to see him now. I'm a member of this church, and I need to see Pastor Simba. And she's huffing. She's so loud that obviously Pastor Simba could hear her. So he comes out of his office, and he said, come on in, my sister. So she went in, door closed. She was not in his office, not a minute. And she came back out all smiling. And, of course, we're all wondering, what in the world was that all about? <laughs> so I asked Pastor what happened? What was that about? He wanted to tell me, she wanted to tell me that there was no toilet tissue in the woman's bathroom. And I said, serious? He goes, dead serious. That's exactly what she wanted to tell me. And she wanted to make sure, as the pastor, that I knew. I say that only because we, we laugh, but let somebody sit in your seat on a Sunday that doesn't know any better. Don't you know that's my seat? That's, we may not say it, but our eyes like. <laughs> there are all these attitudes. We get frustrated. We get upset. Because we think we're old. And sadly, we often choose church not based upon God's leading, but based upon does it meet my need? Let me blow up your theology. We are not here to meet your need. You are here to serve others if you want to emulate Jesus Christ. If you want to be called a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, then your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. I am not here to be served. I am here to serve. That means if you're not currently serving in a ministry, you're really not emulating Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if you and lived in the days when Jesus walked this earth and you went to Jesus, Jesus, I need a miracle. Can you help me? I'm sorry. I'm off today. In fact, I'm taking a sabbatical because I just need a little rest, you know. Come see me in six months. The Bible teaches us that often Jesus tried to get some rest, but everywhere he went, they recognized him. And the disciples got to a point where they got upset with that, told Jesus, send the crowd away. They just didn't want to deal with that. They forgot Jesus was here to serve others and to lay down his life. So what am I really saying? I've had a lot of fun, but let, let me just bring it on home here in a, in a more serious matter. Brothers and sisters, think about Jesus and what he lived and how he lived and how he desires for you and I to live. Think about how much better our homes would be if the attitude was, I am going to outserve my spouse. I am going to do stuff with my parents. They're going to be like, oh, my God, Pastor Joey, here's my kid. Something is wrong with my kid because they're doing stuff that I didn't even ask them to do. Think about how incredible church would be if all of us lived with the attitude, I'm coming to church to serve people today. It's not going to be about me. 
It's not about Pastor Jason singing my favorite song. I am here to serve others. God, use me today to be a blessing in someone's life. Man, if church was lived like that, my God, there would be standing room only because people are drawn. The way they were drawn to Jesus, people are drawn to believers, Christians, who live to serve them. Amen. You can clap, right? That's good. Now, let's talk about the last one. Emulating Jesus Christ now in our community. And that means where you live, your school, your job. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Say all people with me. All people to bring many to Christ. And that word slave there means to make oneself someone's servant. In other words, the apostle Paul was saying, I discovered something. Even though I don't have to do this, I want to serve people in my community in the hopes that I can somehow, by my actions, win them to Jesus Christ. Think about it. We get to the point sometimes where, again, church becomes so internalized where it becomes only about us, which is, again, not the spirit of Jesus Christ. Where church is about you and I, let's circle the wagon out there. The, the, that's evil, that's the world, but in here, all oh, glory to God. And it's wonderful, and I get all of that. But we have to remember, Jesus Christ poured out his spirit at Pentecost, filled us with the power of that spirit so that we can go out those doors and be an impact in the world. But you can't do that if you don't have the attitude to serve them. We got to serve in our community. Find ways to impact the neighborhood that you live in. Students, find ways to impact your school. Find ways to impact the job where you're at. To serve people there, you see. Because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give up his life. When life in our community, our neighborhood, our job, our school, when life becomes centers around us and what we want, then we have stopped emulating Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, let me add this. We serve not for recognition or our own personal benefits, in other words. There are often times that, listen, if you consider yourself a servant, then you shouldn't get upset when people treat you like one. But we get all this out of, oh, nobody even said thank you to what I did. If you're looking for our thank you, then you don't have the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ serves whether people thank you or not. The Spirit of Christ loves to serve, and it's not looking for recognition about its service. And we need to guard our hearts against that, because so often 
We want recognition. This sinful nature is so subtle, so sly, that even in the face of serving, it could raise his head and say, you like that, don't you? Good job, huh? Give me a little applause. Give me a little thanks. Now, should we appreciate people who serve? Absolutely. But from the servant perspective, we should never look for it. You see? So now, because this is what laying our life down is, is all about, right? It's only when you and I lay down our life in service at home, in church, and in our community, then and only then is our life really bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Worship team, if you would come. Now, as they come, here's my final thought with this. Wrapping it up. The, the root of all of our serving has to be love. For Jesus said this uh, in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In other words, in service to the measure that what you want or desire is not important compared to what their needs are and meeting that need. And we know that Jesus demonstrated his great love for you and I by laying down his life on the cross of Calvary. Now, here's how I put this together about love. One of the reasons I believe we often struggle in serving, especially to this measure. How, how many would agree with me this morning? This is heavy-duty stuff. I mean, to serve, to emulate Jesus Christ, to live my life the way Jesus would have lived it at home and in my, in my community and in, and, in, and in my church, you're talking heavy-duty stuff, Pastor. And I would agree with you, simple because of this thing, this attitude that unfortunately permeates our thought life. I don't want anybody taking advantage of me. I refuse to let anybody get over on me. In other words, I've heard this in marital counseling. Pastor, if I do what you say and put them first, then they're going to get over on me. They're going to walk all over me. And so you believe that lie that this is the thing. I, I can't let somebody walk over me. I have to stop that. I have to come against that because I'm nobody's fool. And I want to send that message that that's not acceptable. And so the two stay at odds because no one will lay down their life. They both have that thing. He is not going to get over on me. She is not going to get over on me. I am not going to let my co-worker get over on me. I'm not going to let my boss get over on me. I'm not going to let these kids at school get over on me or that teacher get over on me. I'm going to stand up for my rights. But here's the thing. Emulating Jesus Christ means we have to lay down our life. And remember I said earlier, a dead person has no feelings. And if we're going to emulate Jesus Christ, we need to recognize 
How many times did people get over on Jesus? You never saw him get back at them or do anything else other than to love them. And I'm here to tell you straight up, if you want to emulate Jesus Christ, you better get ready because people are going to take advantage of you. And if that's not your thing, then stop calling yourself a Christian and and live another life. Because being a Christian, emulating Jesus Christ is the recognition. If I serve my sister, there's an opportunity that she just might take advantage of me. But here's the thing. Remember I said the root is love. Love doesn't care. Love only has one focus, her. She took advantage of me. That's okay. But is she blessed? Is she okay? Love always looks the other way and never at self. That's why we need to ask God for a fresh baptism of love. Because we need to recognize whether it's at home, whether it's in church here, or whether it's in a community, there are going to be issues on there. And it's going to tempt us to hold back from serving. But we got to love like Jesus loves. We have to love like Jesus still loves because here's the last thing I want to say. Everybody in this room and everybody watching over the internet, beginning with the speaker, every one of us, every single day, gets over on God. Every single day, you and I do something we know is wrong, but we want to do it, and we look to God in his mercy and his grace so that we can get over You don't have to say amen to that. I know it's true. Because I know my heart is just as wicked as your heart. And we all have wicked hearts. Every day, personally, against God, we we take advantage of his love and his mercy. We do things because we believe some way, somehow, he's going to forgive me. And here's the thing. Because Jesus Christ is still serving us, he does. Because the Lord is still serving you every single day, you already had his mercy and his grace. We experience this so many times during the course of the day. God is lavishing mercy and grace. And all that means stuff that you don't deserve, stuff that I don't deserve. Yeah, but they're taking advantage of you, God. I can see one of the angels say, come on, do we want to get them? And he said, no. I'll I'll deal with them my way, my own time. But I want to bless them. I want to help them. I want to meet their need. And because Jesus is so gracious and so kind to us, I mean, you know, ought we not to be that way with one another? Ought we not to be that way with people that don't know Jesus so that they can see Jesus in us? That's what emulating Christ is all about. Living a life where people don't see you, they see Jesus in you. And when we do that, and when we live that way, he gets all the glory and all the honor. Come on, stand with me. Father, that chorus is so appropriate. Our first prayers show us who you are. But I'm asking you to show us who you are in relationship to us, how you treat us, 
how you still serve us today, God, ministering to us so many ways, God. Your grace and mercy is unfathomable, God. Your love for us, no one can measure. And I pray, Father, that you would show that to us so that we would receive a tender heart, oh God. We would be broken in your sight, oh God, and recognize, God, the way you treat us is the way we want to treat others. Fill us with your love so that we can serve others. We can live our life emulating your son, Father, Jesus Christ, in service to others, especially beginning at home, God. I pray, Father, for a baptism of love that will transform the way we live, oh God, that will change the attitudes of our hearts, that our focus would be serving one another. And oh God, do it here in this place that we call church, where we, your people, gather, where we invite friends and family to God. We want to create an atmosphere of love, oh God. It's one of our core values, Lord, that we want to create that atmosphere where everyone who walks in feels like family. Well, that means, God, that we want them to be served. We want to serve them, oh God. Help us to do that here and in our community so that as we live this life, your name will be honored and glorified. And we thank you in that precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said with me, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you can applaud the Lord. I am going to ask... The pastors and their spouse, uh, I can ask the uh, deacons and the elders and their spouse, if they could come and just line up in the front. They're going to be here if you desire prayer for any specific area in your life. We want to invite you to come and just allow them to bathe you in the love of God and to pray for you. We want to pray a blessing over your life. And remember, as we dismiss, if you are here for the very first time, make your way there back there to guest services and enjoy those refreshments. I dismiss you in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.